Hey, I'm Josh. Hey, I'm Kiana. And And this this is is Eight Limbs Limbs of Fury, a podcast where we talk about the ups and downs of daily yoga practice, life on capitalist nightmare planet, the threads between spiritual practice and activism, and what role yoga might play in these revolutionary times. We are two young leftists practicing Ashtanga yoga six days a week. And we are here to give a perspective on what's happening in the world as we discover our own spirituality and get more woke by the minute. Is this, are we recording? <laughs> we just like to get going, you know. You just start. You just start. I didn't, I didn't realize, and then jo- I didn't realize we were start. recording Every until Josh good. specified where our Ivaka was, and I was like, oh, we're recording. <laughs> I was like, Surprise, wait, yeah. I get a vibe from Josh that we're seems recording. a little bit more like, Cognizant but, than yeah. like just a normal <laughs> conversation, and I was like, "Wait, wait a second. Yeah, just just snuck up on you. Yeah, just boom. Nice. We're live. Didn't even oh, know. Yeah, well done. Um, so we're here. Uh, Alim's of what's Fury. What's the date today? I don't. What is the date? Today? Uh, let me check. It's Sunday, July twenty sixth. The twenty sixth. I thought 26th. it was the twenty sixth. The end I, of July. How did we get here? I wrote the date earlier. Well, see, Kiana, we got here. There's this thing called the passing of time. Damn it, Josh. Time is an illusion, and I love it. it just goes by. Uh, episode two, Eight Limbs of Fury. We're sitting here with our guest this evening, um, Lauren McCullough. She is a personal friend from Ashtanga World. Um, we think somewhat of a badass. And, yes. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, she could describe herself further if she wanted to, but... Hi, Lauren. Hi. I thought it would be helpful to describe a little bit, just that I'm not like a famous Ashanga yoga teacher like Satinder was your first <laughs> guest. Like I am just a simple practitioner. Um, we are all just simple practitioners. Really? Yeah, yoga. when it comes down to it. But, you know. I think one of the, um, a, a special thing about our like Ashtanga friendship and is that it's multifaceted. Like, we're friends in, like, multiple areas of our lives mm-hmm. and, like, especially in activism. Um, so Lauren's been that other Ashtanga friend out there in the protests with us. Um, are you okay with us saying that? Yeah, on? yeah. Cool. But, yeah. Um, She's a protester and agitator. Even though we got to be we up at 5 a.m. out there till 10, walking the streets, you know. Um, so... Kiana, you do not get up at 5 a.m. Uh, I, I was going to say, I had like a holiday the next day on that one. 5.20. <laughs> Yeah. On a good morning. On a good morning. All right. But I have to kick it right back to you guys. Like, you know, I have to say I was kind of in a place of feeling really, uh, like, what's the right word? Disillusioned Mm -hmm. with the world. And I remember it was you, Josh, who were like, I'm going to canvas for Bernie. I'm doing this, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, he's never going to make it, which he didn't. But, uh, but, you know, like, I saw your energy and your effort, and it reinvigorated me to have, like, hope. Mm -hmm. And so it was like that was, like, the first step towards believing that we can do some change. Not that I haven't been active in the past or done other protests, but it was, like, a good reinvigoration, and that was kind of, like, right before. So... How's it going? It's good. Today's been a good day. Yeah, much needed kind of like a reset day, you know, mm-hmm. after like a long week. And we, you know, I, I work 
normal 40 hours a week and then on top of the stuff been going on and we had the experience this week which I think we're going to dissect a little bit yeah today in the podcast oh uh, yeah of the protest protest experience yeah which added um it's really and I mean I think both of you mentioned that you're excited to have this conversation as am I because since that night like these topics have kind of been on my mind so I'm excited to yeah. unwind them a little let's get to the um I think the protest, the the discussion about protesting that we're going to have, I think that's going to be our main topic of tonight. So we'll yeah. ease into that a little bit later. But yeah, that was definitely like a big part of how my past week has been. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely just been in my mind every single day lately, um, thinking about the protest movement, looking to Portland, looking to all these other, uh, to, mm-hmm. C- to C- Seattle, New York City, looking at all these cities, and they're major cities, mm-hmm. not a, larger than Tucson. Tucson is definitely has its own vibe here that's unique to it. Um, but just looking at those other cities and really admiring them for, for what they're doing. But we're going to talk in a, we're gonna talk about the protests later. We're going to keep it light here for at least a moment. For well, a moment. Well, if we keep it light, then today I got up and did yoga. Oh, that's nice. I went to a park while it was still under 100 degrees. Wonderful. And oh, saw great. turtles. So that was lovely. Great. Yeah. I danced around my house for a while, I which is always mom. just dancing, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, that was nice. And then I cooked, um, and then I chilled out. So it was like a good like flow to the whole nice. day. Yeah. Nice. Perfect Sunday. And now I'm here with y'all. So and now we're like, hanging out. Yeah. Kelly, uh, how was your day? Oh, it was awesome. I love okay, so I'm on holiday right now for Ashtanga for non Ashtanga people out there. Basically when someone menstruates, like they take three days off of yoga practice because um, it's said to be like a a lower like the energy in the body's going down and out, so the natu- it's, that's the natural way. So to practice, we pull up and in, so that kind of goes against it. Mulabanda. Oh yeah. Yeah. So no mulabanda during that. So I I've, I've been on a break, and I had a very nice morning sleeping in. I took a a bath, like mm. a nice bath. Like with like coconut oil in it Ooh. and like everything, just a little bit. You know, I just noticed how you said when someone menstruates, trying mm-hmm. to make, and I don't know if this was conscientious or not, but making menstruation not like gendered because not yeah. only women menstruate. And I just thought about how in Ashanga we tend to call it Lady Holiday. I've been and trying. I heard that deliberate yeah. switch, Miss Tiana. Can Kiana. we come up yes. with another name for that? Just like I like holiday. how she called it Holiday. That I <laughs> I did just on holiday. We've been listening to a lot of Green Day. <laughs> Maybe we that's why. I was thinking Day. of Madonna's like holiday. Wasn't that a song? I think it was. I'm gonna look it up for the you next. Are you're the resident old person. Oh, Madonna. She did. Yeah. So. Maybe she was talking about her holiday. But <laughs> no, that was conscientious because doing this doula work, I've realized I do really. I have been working on trying to like degender biology. Yeah. In general. And um, birth and. All yeah. of those processes, yeah. Yeah, especially because repro- we... Which is pretty radical of an idea for a lot of people. And, yeah. Um, it's... I, I'll say from personal experience, it's like it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around a little bit, like, yeah. uh, of, of t- looking at previously gendered uh, roles or sayings or words or whatever and trying to put... A, a, and saying it 
non-gendered. And that's, yeah. Yeah. it's the interesting. It's work every time. I saw period underwear that was like boy short style and they were like, you know, like more, you know, for, for people who menstruate, who might want a different, and they showed like male looking people, you know, presenting, wearing it. I would, my mind, I was so confused. I was like, why do we need this? And they were like, for men who menstruate. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. And then I was, you know, recognizing like gender non-binary and trans Mm -hmm. and all of those phases in between. And like, oh, right, of course. But the first time I heard that concept, I was, I was just confused. I wasn't mad or I was just like, what? I'd, I'd say confused too. Yeah. 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 But then it clicked and I was like, Right. It's it's the same process of like I think, you know, with the gender spectrum and people recognizing as non-binary. Like I've definitely heard, you know, Gen X and older kind of struggle with the pronouns and concept because I think they're just trying to sometimes not all, not all, not all Gen Xers, um, but they're trying to accommodate the younger generation, but they don't really get it. And it's like mm-hmm. once you break your mind from that binary. It, it becomes a lot easier to accept and want to participate in it. And it's so freeing. That's exactly what I was yeah. just, I was literally just about to say that. Yeah. It's so freeing. Mm-hmm. Like breaking away from the binary. I, I encourage everyone to do some of that work because it made me realize like what tendencies do, do I do just because I identify as a woman? Yeah. Um, yeah. What things do I do? How do I present myself just because I've always identified as a woman? And you know, I think there's certain privilege in being cis gender, of course, because um, just to, you know, I don't, I don't understand the experience of someone who isn't, so I won't speak to that. But like, have to acknowledge my privilege, so I can do the work. You know, we can all do the work. More terms, yeah. Like realizing that to call instead of breastfeeding, calling it chest feeding. Um, mm. Whoa, that's yeah. radical. Yeah, like. So just so, there's, there's always some terms. Question every <laughs> way you say something, right? That's that's question the words that are coming out of your habitual mouth. Habitual patterns yeah. and changing yeah. them. Right. So so that was wait, how this that is the light part that, of the I, show. I asked how your day was, and we got to that. <laughs> I know. I was like, so this was like, yeah. the light part of the show. <laughs> yeah. It I was my it. fault. I noticed the change in comments and that, all the good stuff. Well, that's great. We talk about the weather, and we instantly cannonball into a. <laughs> Pitfall of climate change. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> um, um, Josh, how was how your, was your day? Um, thanks for asking. Um, I had a nice day today. I skipped practice. I skipped <gasps> practice this morning. You what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just doing. Five you know our days teacher's gonna week. hear this, right? <laughs> oh, I hope so. But no, no it was. I, I I skipped practice today, and I went hiking with some friends this morning instead, and we went. Um, to the mountains in Tucson west side and just hike through the desert. It was low stakes. It was not high stakes. Sometimes going hiking in Arizona, yeah. it's very high stakes where you're just like a climate, like, like <laughs> okay, walk up this mountain right now. Like, <laughs> the Josh, that's going hiking with Josh. <laughs> right. Josh so, would be like, let's go this way. It's like straight yeah, up. Yeah, it's like you just have to walk straight uphill. Remember just, that thing that we tried to hike? That that was we tried to go straight up a mountainside, and that was it was like not at all like cleared. I mean, it was no. fun. I had a great time that day. Yeah, but and we the didn't drive make out it. was awesome. The drive out the drive out was amazing, but I think there was one point where it was me, you, and Luca, my our dog. Yeah, the dog. Not the dog barking you hear in the background right now. That's a neighbor's dog. It's a different dog. 
There's a whole but network of dogs. There's a network. We're in the back alley of our house here, and <laughs> it's just, it's a dog central. Dog central station back here. Um, Luca, we know we tried to go. Luca. Yeah, mm-hmm. we tried to hike up a mountain. Yeah. And it was like, it was like. A non, they're like not really a path. There was no path. No. It was just like the desert, the mountain. And everything was trying to kill us. Yeah. And something did almost kill Luca. Yeah, Luca, <laughs> poor, poor Luca. guy, got, he, he took some cactus out, out here in the paw. Which is not a sight uncommon. I've seen dogs with some cactus in their paws. It's gnarly. Yeah. Um, I've seen human with cactus. But anyways, so that being said, yeah, I had a, lo- I had a nice low-stakes hike through the desert this morning. Went with a couple of friends. We scrambled up. We did scramble up a mountainside. It was a lower-stakes mountainside, <laughs> and we got up to the top, and it was a lot of fun. Although on the descent, um, I, there was this moment where we got to, like, a little drop-down where... You know, because we're move, navigating on the rocks, mm-hmm. um, big slabs of rock, and we had to like climb down at this one part. And my friend was like, "Oh, I'm having a hard time with this." She was like kind of struggling, so I was like, "Okay, let me see if I can go find a way down." And I like went to it, and I was I was being very cautious, and I like went to check a handhold. And it was like this big boulder, and it just immediately came loose. And I kind of, and I pried at some other handholds and saw that it was like all chipping away. And I was like, you know what? Let's go a different way. So yeah, maybe that's a good call. I'm glad that's you didn't good... die to your death this I'm, morning. I'm very glad. It wouldn't have but... been to my death, but it, it would have been like, it would, I would have fallen like 10, 10 feet down or something, yeah. and then tumbled down a mountainside and just fallen into cactus. And it, it wouldn't have Ooh. been my death, but it would just been a maybe lot worse of, than death. Falling into, right. falling into cactus. Falling into cactus. cactus. Know. Know. You'd be fine. You'd what be is fine. a fate worse? But than you know, death? I just listened to your here. Look at me plugging your other episode, <laughs> your <laughs> midday <laughs> hangout, yes. where you were talking about if nature was going to take you out, it's fine. It's and, fine. And tying it back to fear of death, which is episode one. Episode boom, one. Boom. 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 <laughs> thread. 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 Yeah. I bet fear of death is going to be a consistent. It's coming thread up today. It's definitely coming up today. Yeah. Um, um, thank you for sharing your day, Josh. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that and that's, that was it. It was, pre- it was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Um, Do you want to just dive in using the fear of death thread right into our topic? Yeah, but I want to ask you about oh. how you feel about um, going back to school because you are – do you mind if I share your – where you work? Oh, sure, yeah. Yes. Oh, going back to school. I was like, I am not signing up for any classes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Returning to campus. Returning to campus. Yeah, that's a really hot, that's a hot topic. That's a hot topic. Yeah. How do you feel about that as a, as a worker at the University of Arizona? Well, I am super fortunate in that um, based on my job duties and my, you know, position, I don't really have to return. Um you know, faculty who are being asked to cater to the in-class experience, um, they're the ones who are really feeling pressured to come back to work. And then as well as job duties that like, you know, think about um, any service where students engage and either need a service as simple as like, I need my, you know, Starbucks Frappuccino at 10 a.m. or like, I need to go to the parking office and get my tag and you know all these kinds of like administrative things they have to deal with those folks are being pressured to come back um mm-hmm. and that's hard yeah I've been a big advocate that um everyone should have a choice whether they feel comfortable coming back without having to reveal any medical information yeah but that's not currently what's happening yeah wow yeah. I think as an alumni of the 
I'm going to say it, the University of Arizona. I'm putting them out oh, yeah, we on never the spot. Said where, yeah. I d- did I say I um, said it? Oh, did you? Okay. One of the oldest universities that, not one of the oldest universities like in the country, but just like started in like the 1800s. Um, and Early, I, mid, or late 1900s? I want to say like 1860s. Wow, mid? 1860s, yeah. Think, and maybe. first college there was Yag. We could College be of wrong. Agriculture and Life Science. We're doing uh, research. Hold on. Really great, you know, like, research on, they've done a lot of research on the Sonoran Desert. And, I mean, just like a, I appreciate those aspects of being part of that school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the fact that President Robbins chose to have in-person classes and, and is expecting teachers to cater to that totally portrays, like, the feel of that campus experience, that culture there, that I never felt like I was a part of (laughs) because it was like very much like prideful about the look of campus, like the timelessness of it. And I'm using air quotes right now because like, (laughs) I'm like, okay, yeah, like a big patch of grass in the middle of the desert, like (laughs) is icon, is like an icon of the school and like, I don't know. I just, I feel like it shows the true colors of, of like who's actually running that place because I don't feel like they care about Well, poor it's a business decision. Like, <laughs> that's how students. they're, that's yeah. how universities run in America. That's I don't how they think operate. they care about their teachers' well-being. Um, Negative. No, they're just trying to make money. Yeah. So. Big surprise. Well, it's, it's pretty complicated and. Uh, there's actually, I mean, it's fascinating to think, like, how did we get here? Like, this wasn't just COVID. This was, you know, years and years of not funding our state school system anymore. Um, From the 2008 time period, you know, the depression, um, Arizona. recession. Recession. I would call now the okay. depression. That was re- a recession. We I was, are now like, I was depression. in Peace Corps during that time, so I just like heard vaguely oh. about it. So like I was like the dep- whatever that time was when I was like chilled in the middle of nowhere, Paraguay. Um, but yeah, the that time period, Arizona like uh, took out more funding than like any other state. Oh, that's nice. Um, for universities, and so you know, I was talking to um, uh, I won't say who because. I don't, yeah, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but someone who works on campus and has been there for a long time said when I first came here in the 90s, you know, 75% of our funding was from the state and now it's like down to 12% or something. So it's really dramatic and I don't think people understand how we got there. So now, you know, what people do, and I think if you talk to the administrators, they would say, we very much care about our employees because we don't want them to lose their jobs because if we're not able to get these students back on campus paying full tuition, we are going to have to do massive layoffs and we're already doing a furlough and all Mm. these things. But then on the other hand, you have, I think, this capitalist trap of the binary options again, which is like, we either come back to school and people save their jobs, but some people will die and get sick. Or, you know, like we have all these people without health insurance and we're massive layoffs. And it's like there should be some other 
option. It's just they're not available to us. We're like, we had state funding. People might right. argue, well, the state, well, you know, the state funding is drying up because of COVID too. Well, look at who we just bailed out. Like we're oh. bailing out, you know, these corporations and we other just industries. Not we universities. bailed out like Mr. Not, car yeah. wash or something. Oh, like we're really? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> or like just like car washes in general, I think. Like car big. washes were bailed out. So, Mr. Car wash, it might not be you. Yeah. But car washes <laughs> were bailed out. But like just all these different industries that were like jumping in to save, but nobody is jumping in to save higher education, which puts the administrators in kind of this, I mean, it is a catch-22. However, one really positive thing that has come from this time is that a coalition uh, for academic justice at the University of Arizona, or CAHUA, if you're using the J as the Spanish pronunciation, um, has formed. And they hired an independent, uh, like, finance person who, like, basically has, like, he's an M... uh, He's a MBA and he's a JD. Like you know, he has like What's this a is JD. Uh, he's got his law degree, and so oh. he's a lawyer. He has his MBA, and what his career is is he basically oversees finances of other universities or provide. He does consulting for that, and he's also a faculty member. I want to say at University of Michigan. This is all public information, oh, so okay. um, people could Google this if they're yeah, super interested. But info. they hired him to come out, and he did a presentation of what we have publicly available to us, which isn't as much as like we would like to know, but a fair about a fair amount of information about the University of Arizona's finances and restructured the furlough so that the people at the top are taking the biggest cut. Good. It was already structured that way, but not that great. Like, not as like much. people at the high, high, like making over five hundred thousand dollars a year were taking like a twenty two or twenty three percent pay cut while somebody making, you know, uh, fifty or forty thousand dollars a year was taking a fifteen percent pay cut. Fifteen to twenty percent, five percent between hundreds of thousands of dollars right. is yes. not. Also, we have basketball coaches that are still employed, yet we're not going to have a season necessarily. Uh, yeah. So there's like all and they, they, that was they about two coach makes three. one two point three. I, I thought it was, was one point two million dollars. Maybe it is. I have to, we really need okay. to fact check before we start talking. But it's no, a lot of this money. This is a podcast it's where we're more than a million dollars here. <laughs> we're making wild claims out here. See, that's the thing. I sit here as like kind of an angsty recent graduate angsty of that school. grad of U of A. And so it's easy for me to just sit here and say, ah, they shouldn't be going back, you know. But I, when I consider I agree, all of the, I mean, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, the, people's lives matter the most at the yeah. end of the day, right? Um but I I understand how that's like a big dilemma. Yeah, it's Except, a big. Except you know what? Maybe if we agreed about wealthy just taking a cut to their wealth, maybe it wouldn't be such a big dilemma. And if we had health insurance for all, we wouldn't be so. I Medicare mean, we don't want all? people to like lose their jobs. But reality is like we should have safety nets for these crumbling industries and that safety net's about to run out. Mm-hmm. So there's like all these things where it's mm-hmm. like, well, we can't, we can't lay people off. And of course I don't want anybody to lose their job either, but it's like that binary option of we either go back and then also a, a huge, and this has happened, you know, industry wide in terms of higher education. Um, we covet those out of state California and international oh, students. The They're sweet, sweet California sweet dollars, California dollars and international dollars. I've, and that's who's, tuition for an international student's like 40 K it's insane. I'm trying to not use that word anymore. Try not to use that word insane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And I've been catching myself doing it. So you could keep that part in because I caught myself because that's what change looks like. Yes. Um, and if I oh, want to yeah. clarify why we're, why I'm trying to not what use was, that insane, 
because yeah. trying to not like put stigma on mentally yes. mental yes. ill. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. When, when, I say on, the word crazy quick, a lot. Quick segue, yeah. When Kanye came out and did his did his campaign event the other day, <sighs> which was recently, even. there was a big conversation after that right. where some folks that I know who have who have mental experienced mental illness, mm-hmm. um, they were they were putting out on social media like, hey. What's what's bad about you talking about Conway is about Kanye is about how you're talking about him. Mm-hmm. Like, stop describing him like this because there's loads of people out there. He's suffering from me- mental illness clearly, so stop making fun right. of him for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fucking radical. I think yeah. the, that ra- kind of radical love and acceptance, even mm-hmm. though like, ar- arguably Kanye West is being a dumbass. Like, and and but we still on the left. I think it's an active stance to be like, no, we shouldn't make fun of him. Yeah, yeah. We Which should, is- we should take him in and re-educate him, and or not re-educate. That's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> that, but yeah, that has some weird, take him um, as he is, and he, he we is, know he's going to have ups and downs, and he's in the public eye, so his ups and downs are just like everyone's business, apparently. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but that. yeah, back to the. I was just saying it was, it was a really big situation where we we just. Uh, I'm like, what's the right word to? But it's uh, it it just means that we're we're beholden to these, you know, out of town, out of state, out of country dollars, which then are used to subsidize the students who couldn't necessarily afford to come to college is what they tell you. So we have to cater to them. But again, all of this stems back to just not having enough funding for our universities and opportunities for, you know, our less lower resource students. Yeah. Right. Um, Faculty and university. And, and, and broadly we're suffering from this so much because systemically we've just like, cut funding to universities and yeah. public education broadly for for so long and and if uh, u- university and, pu- and higher education broadly was free right or or very low cost was like it was we for generations of Americans before problems. us we wouldn't have these mm-hmm. problems right now mm-hmm. if we had medicare for all it wouldn't be a problem right. if people lost their jobs because then they can just still they can still go see a doctor for As free for need. a covid yeah. test i have insurance now I've spent the last Congrats. like, uh, thanks. Um, <laughs> right, that's like an American congratulations. Uh, <laughs> like, wow, you get to go to the wow, doctor. You have Do you get to go to the dentist? Let's too? see. Yeah, um, I've, I've I've been without insurance for six and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. Most of you know my all of my young adult life up until right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was. Uh, this is fucking healthcare in this country. Oh my God, it upset me so much. So the other day, being a new person to health insurance, I was like, I'm going to go find a doctor because I've been experiencing knee pain. Yeah. And and so I want to go get that checked out. And and I know what some of you are thinking. Well, well, Josh, just go get acupuncture. I've been getting acupuncture. I, I get <laughs> acupuncture. I go see the you tween eye guy. You don't have to justify your medical decisions. No, but I'm just letting people know. Just letting people know. Okay. I'm getting acupuncture. Okay. <laughs> but I want to go see an MD just because you know whatever. This is Western medicine. I've heard sure. can be beneficial for some things. Yeah. Whatever. And I was clicking through. I I had to go to United Healthcare's website. And, like, navigate through yeah. it, like, try to find where the list of doctor was, doctors were. Um, so then I finally found my in-network providers here in Tucson. And there was, like, 700 people on that list. And I was like, how am I supposed to find the right person? Just go to El Rio. Um, <laughs> and so right. I was clicking through. And some of the co- – I finally found a, a doctor on there that said it was less than average cost – 
Ooh. for a visit. And I was like, oh, less than average. Great. I won't have to pay an insane amount of money to go see a doctor. Oh. I still clicked on. Oh, not insane. See? Oh. <laughs> I will still have to pay an exorbitant amount of money. How about that? Better word. Great word. <laughs> see, or, it's easy to do. <laughs> or extra for yeah. those without that can't flex on that vocabulary. There you go. Okay, whatever. But. <laughs> and, but and so the doctor was... Uh, it was still like $80 to go see a doctor. And I was like, yeah. what the hell is insurance? What is this? This is a money grab scheme f- from this company. Yeah, like I this know. is made up. This is entirely made up. I feel so bad. My friend was saying that she felt like at her job, she had good insurance. Like they didn't have to pay for it at all. I have to pay $40 a month for the insurance that I have. Um, and then, <laughs> That's you know. That's a lot too. That's yeah, a lot of money. But well, she, she doesn't have to pay anything, but their deductible is $2,000. So anytime she goes to a doctor, she has to pay. Now she gets the insurance discounts like if you were to go to a doctor and pay out of pocket let's say it's like $300 to see them or something Um, and that's probably lowballing it but like Mm -hmm. with insurance they'll say okay because you get us a lot of customers essentially we're going to give you a discount and it'll only cost you $250 to come here because you have insurance and then your insurance picks up the other part of it and then you only pay your $20 $30 copay whatever it might be sounds like yours is $80 Um, and everybody's is different it depends on the quality of you know the health insurance and what you can afford and so So, if you're you're employed picks it up then it's good but hers so for her $2,000 deductible every time she goes to the doctor she has to pay like that actual cost like $250 until she hits $2,000 a year and then the insurance will start picking it up holy so there's not a lot of incentive to go to the doctor with that me I I have to pay the first this is for the first year this year we have to pay the first $120 towards so I have to pay $120 and then I start paying my $20 copay but and that's new that's new so yeah it's a you know you know what somebody's dissertation was which I was I was like genius I wish I had had this idea and was a PhD student but all they did was call different hospitals and ask them how much would it cost for a specific routine surgery I can't remember what it was but it was like very routine they do them all day surgery out of pocket and all they did was track the difference in prices as well as how long it took to get a straight answer Oh, wow. Did it take, could they tell them immediately or could they tell them, you know, three days, how many departments do they have to get? Because most people have insurance. So they were just trying to vary, like, is this even like, you know, like if you're ordering a hamburger, well, not that we would, but um, we're, we're all vegan. We're, we're but if you're ordering a hamburger this. from a restaurant, you generally know it's like, okay, it probably costs in between like seven to 12 or maybe 15, even let's say up to $20. But you're not expecting That's an hamburger. Expensive hamburger. It is, but you're not expecting it to be like $300. Sure. And what they're finding is even this routine surgery just varied wildly between hospitals. And that's wow. so. It's a really. It's just. I a, wonder if that also has to do with where the hospitals are located. Mm. Um, who do they serve? That's a different dissertation. But yeah. yes, <laughs> someone get working on it. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. There you go. Um, the next for those of you looking for your what you want your PhD to be about. Yeah. You're welcome. I have ideas like that all the time. In fact, um, look for me on Instagram. I'll just send you all of my ideas <laughs> about. I'm like that's a dissertation. That's a dissertation. I <laughs> love being. If there's anything that Lauren does. On Instagram, Instagram is just share all of her ideas <laughs> and a lot of resources, <laughs> and actually. Many resources, and that's, why, she, and that's why she's follow. a guest here on um, uh, Alums of Fury for our Yes, episode I have to say, Lauren has been putting in 
the time and the energy and the work into not only being a well-rounded and um, like mentally and spiritually happy person, but also putting in the work into being like a woke at activist. And um, and that is why we are here today. We because we love Lauren. We love Aww. Lauren. Um, I love you guys. We so, attended a protest this hold on. week. Oh, I don't want to get that just yet. Okay. Sounds good. Want to keep hold on. bitching I, about I, health insurance? No, I oh, wanted okay. to switch gears. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. Um, while we still have light, because I, I have something to show you that I, I didn't previously oh. inform you about to, as a reading. So, wh- yeah, while we still have the last remnants here. Here, um, What I am handing to Lauren now is a piece of paper that I got from my grandfather in the mail today. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, um, this is... This? Uh, to Josh from... Uh, uh, from Dr. M.D. Uh, no, he's not an M.D. I was trying to give his just his initial. He's a doctor. He yeah. has a Ph.D. Um, from uh, M. Dwayne Mongerson, my grandfather. Parentheses right beside his name. Old white guy, age 82. Um, this is Fox News grandpa, right? <clears throat> Fox no. News grandpa. Well, oh, both. And it's, this yeah. is three papers stapled together. Subject. Comparison of dot, dot, dot. Then there's a table. Well, hold on. (laughs) Sorry. I love that part. (laughs) President. President. 45. 45. We know who 45 is. We're taking away his power already and just calling him 45. Yep. President 45 and Joe Biden's views. And then it is a table of a side by side (laughs) comparison for three pages um, equipped with. Seemingly, uh, you know, maybe upon first glance for uh, on some eyes who have never seen actual information before. Seemingly like he presents both sides here, um, my grandfather. But um, but it's a side by side comparison of Donald Trump. uh, Oh, shoot. Forty fives views. And Joe Biden. It's fascinating because um, let's get. I just wanted to get your live reaction on of it on the (laughs) podcast. It's fascinating because it's been a long time since I've seen a table with bullets that is not in a word document. So that's my first reaction. It's just like, wow, he he probably got a ruler out. He did the work. (laughs) It's really he got a ruler out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think like I appreciate. It's so funny because you know, on you know, just looking at one of them, he says law and order guy under 45 and under Joe Biden defund police like I wish yeah um but also like is this intending to convince you I think to convince me because law and order and protect history and statues (laughs) and you know the things that strengthen America's military like does your grandfather know you no he doesn't (laughs) well I mean you know he's (laughs) I know. know he knows. He knows like my grandparents you know, would know, you know me, But that's you know. how that's how American grandparents. But well, he knows is. you well enough that he felt like he needed to send you this table. Yes, he cares for me. I feel like he sent that to multiple of oh, your family. Oh, he oh, definitely okay. sent this to a few so just, family members. Oh, okay. so this, this was distributed widely throughout the family. One hundred percent. Um, I? What I love about it on there is that, like, <laughs> oh no, the stuff that he writes <laughs> for Joe read? Biden. Yeah. Hold on, Lauren, we're gonna have you read some some of your yeah. favorites off here in a moment. But the stuff that he describes as Joe Biden is like 
I wish that Joe Biden yeah. was as hard stance as, as he's just, as my grandfather's describing it. And, I wish he was too. And, and he just like, for whatever reason, the American oh. conservatives right now think of Joe Biden as this like socialist dictator that's yeah. trying to take away all of the rights. And no, Joe Biden is the softest, most weak spine Democrat that appeals to private interests. Joe just Biden like all wishes the other he was that cool. You're right. It says, it says wants to abolish the electoral college under Joe Biden. And I'm like, yes, I wish he would do that. But, but he's totally not. He's totally um, not. Yeah, Joe Biden just like, if Joe Biden could read that, I bet he would be like, oh, yeah. And like get gets himself a pair of like Doc Martens and like <laughs> <laughs> he like gets an earring, you know, and right. he's like, oh, I'm, you know, reveling in the progressive culture now. So, Lauren, give us some good ones that have struck you thus far. So he I, I like um, on under 45, it says. Wearing a face mask in public is encouraged, but there's an asterisk. <gasps> oh, I, mean, I love this just, one. Yeah, just recently, 45 did say that if he was in a tight squeeze and he did have to, like, be around people, he was like, I mean, I'm, you know, the president, so I don't actually have to, like, basically, like, you have to stay away from me. Like, he can control all of his situations. He was like, but if I had to be around people, sure, I'd put a mask on. He did say that. So he wasn't, you know. So, But the note, asterisk says... The wearing of the face mask is to the political left as the mag- MAGA hat is to the political right, exclamation point. Uh-huh. And um, that is a take, Grandpa. Yeah. That's a take. Yeah. And you know what? I, I appreciate that because it gives insight. This, this, this document is valuable insight into the modern conservative's mindset, and I appreciate it so much. We were saying, yeah, Keanu and I were saying true. earlier— um, that it's funny how I admire my grandfather. I, mm. I really do. I, I do. I practice ancestral, like, um, I honor my ancestors on a daily basis in my meditation practice. I just, it's simple offering. I respect them. I honor them. I, I, I see that. And so with this document from my grandfather, I highly respect it because I'm like, damn, dude, like you, you did the work on this. Like this is Mm -hmm. your, this is your view of reality and you cared so passionately about it to like try to dictate it and pass it on to your grandson. And it's funny that me as his, his grandson, I'm on the other side of it, like literally on the other opposite end of the spectrum, like. Uh, pushing for like progressive views and here on this podcast broadly it was why this podcast started and so I just like I I, this document I honor my grandfather for just being very passionate and I see I see where I get it from now so Mm. um this this document is you can tell he was trying to be objective a little bit a yeah, little bit. I think like, that's his version of objectivity yeah of literally showing both sides on a table on a table (laughs) Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I love thrilling said, to receive in the mail. It was thrilling to just open up the mail and and get that in the, <laughs> mail, in the mailbox. It was like, were okay. you like like your eyes like passing over the first time? You're like, is this what I think? <sighs> that this was the is? that was yeah, like just I, that was my reaction. I was like, to like I was like, it's not my birthday yet. He <laughs> he's not sending me a birthday check. This is something else. Yeah, and um. <laughs> And I opened it up, and I was not let down by yeah. that. But yeah, oh. uh, I love that statement that uh, a face a face mask is the equivalent yeah. of wearing a MAGA hat. And yeah. I'm like, wait the fuck? Like, do you guys actually fucking believe that? Like, I'm, that's <laughs> that well, is a that's I'm a sure, wild I'm sure idea. Fox News told him. That's a wild idea. Yeah. Wild well, idea. I, you know, I speaking of defund the police, I, I saw a, a friend of mine who is a. Um, 
longtime community activists, but I won't share any other detail about them. But uh, they commented on their Facebook this week that they noticed that there was a Biden flag at the protest this yeah, week. Yeah, there was a Biden flag there, at and the protest. And they were like, uh, the kids are going to need to do better. Like, And I, when I saw the Biden flag, I thought there was going to be a funny tagline, like a sarcastic tagline underneath of it. And I got closer to it. I was right next to the person waving no, this flag it's a full at one point. Biden and I was flag. like, no, this is just a regular Biden flag. It's yeah. a fucking Biden flag. And my friend flag. was like, I thought Biden was going to call and be like, no, no, you like, Put that flag down. Like, that's not that's not what I want my campaign being seen as. So that's that, really not what Biden I, stands for. No, Biden my, is not sympathetic to the protest movement, and he actually doesn't care about like anything that like the leftists or progressives are trying to put push forward in this country. Yeah, I think he would put out the more safe like reform rhetoric. When I saw uh, that flag arrive at the protest, my first instinct was to be. I first felt, I felt the seed of anger rise up inside of me of like, I don't, like that, they don't speak for everyone here. Like, I'm not pro Biden. I'm like, I'm probably going to vote for Biden to protect my right to demonstrate. But um, that's a whole discussion in itself. I'm going to vote for Biden, um, obviously. We've arrived yeah. there after yeah. much discussion. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but then I felt the seed of anger rise up inside of me of being like, I don't want us to be represented as like a pro Biden group. But I'm and like, he was he I was walking in the front. Yeah, we, I'm like, but then the other part of me was like, OK, actually, I'm happy to see liberals even just here, right. you know, even just people who were ready um, to vote for Biden and wave their flag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and like, was marching they're here demonstrating, and, yep, so Marching I'm, here and demonstrating with us. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I'm cool with it, you know? Like, I just think that that's a great segue into here because this movement really is, and I, I use the word, like, inclusive. And mm-hmm. in, I want to get as... Personally, I, I think like it would be a wonderful thing to get as many people as possible yeah. out there fighting for, uh, you know, these abolishing the police and like that's that's what protesters are asking and our for. Our rights so, to protest yeah. without being, uh, you know, without risking violence and right. Yeah. So I would love to see some more, you know, Biden supporters out there, even if. They don't identify as progressive or identify as leftist, mm-hmm. um, you know, just being like, you know what? Yeah, I agree, though, that um, people shouldn't be getting hurt, that people shouldn't be that everyone should be free and have the same rights. So I did appreciate that in the end. But that big Biden flag did make me uncomfortable. Uh, I was like, that's funny, because oh, I was just when I first saw it, I was just honestly just like confused. That was my first reaction was just, huh? And then, yeah, I checked it. I still I was st- halfway through the you know event. I was still convinced it was a joke flag. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't until I was close enough to it that I could read it in the, the letters underneath. And I was like, oh, no, this is just. A-. And then I was just yeah, I was just kind of like. Hmm, like it did not compute in my uh-huh. head, uh-huh. Um, but I wasn't angry or with him. But you know, but I think it brings back to something that you and I, we sometimes were, you know, talking like, "Hey, look at what that person's doing. That's not okay." Like um, at the protest and that uncomfortable feeling of being a part of a group and standing with the group, yet seeing different individuals take actions that don't. I think for me, I'll speak for me, that didn't feel like they aligned with, like, some of our yogic principles Mm -hmm. or just didn't... I just knew when I saw it, it felt icky, and then I had to question that thought. Like, Mm -hmm. am I 
you know, uh, making a judgment on what the right way to protest, and I'm putting that in air quotes as well, second air quote use of the night, right. but the right way to protest, and that's not really my place, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, or am I just not, you know, am I uncomfortable with, you know, that level of assertion against the authority, like what's coming up for me um, when I see those actions, but I just know in the moment, I just felt like I didn't like them. Yeah, so... Yeah, just to clarify, um, I guess we should talk about the, like, occurrence in the protest that sparked the whole idea for this episode. Because Mm -hmm. I think something that, okay, we have to acknowledge before beginning this conversation Mm -hmm. is that we are all three sitting here as uh, white people. So we just have to acknowledge that I don't feel the same. I'm a white guy. I don't feel the same level of anger that I'm sure the black and brown communities yeah. do here. Um, and, and in Tucson, I think also the Latinx community, um, just because I haven't experienced the same violence that they have. And so I I don't, I think it would be, the term is white centering, right? To take on that anger and like display it in right. a way that isn't conducive to my actual experience. Right. And, and I want to be clear, the, the people who took actions that made me feel uncomfortable the other night were not black or indigenous or Latinx people of color. It was, uh, other, you know, by just virtue of looking at them, you know, like privileged looking Mm -hmm. white people. Mm -hmm. And so I was just kind of like in certain instances where I was like, well, that doesn't really fit with, you know, what I thought I is and then but there was also you know um some anger from the organizer that that's where I would put into that like I'm not here to tone police or say and I you know the organizers um here in Tucson if anyone ever listens to this you know they're they're young they're 19 and I can't imagine how what it would be like yeah well what it would be like for the for their experience of this being able to release this anger, they're experiencing their entire experience of this time and the process that they're going through in organizing and the empowerment and all of that. I can't even really speak to that because I'm not that person mm-hmm. and that's just so different. I can just say I wouldn't take those actions and so what brings up for and, me... But I, w- I do want to say is that there is, tru- there is truth in that statement and that I, I think it's important as like leftists that we don't always have to... And this is a bear with me here. Okay. Guest and let's listener. unpack it out. Let's unpack it. Is that there doesn't always have to be. We don't always have to be so. We we should always be accepting, but we shouldn't always just be like so accepting to where we just let people do whatever the fuck they want. Like things need to go through some sort of like process, and right. and I think it's important that like I ideas for a movement should go through many minds before being announced publicly at especially standing and protesting in front of Tucson police. What we observed in the protests that we went to this week um, that inspired this conversation. That inspired this conversation is us as leftist yoga people taking a part in the movement. As spiritual people, we thought it was important. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to start by first saying, yes, number one, uh, we are white, and number two, 
that we are looking at the protest movement through the eyes of daily yoga practitioners and daily spiritual practitioners. And in that same respect, I'll kind of call us air quote use number three. Yeah. Um, like cultivators of peace mm-hmm. uh, and, and trying to like spread that peace. I think people in the spiritual community and the yoga community or people that meditate, you know, all of these different groups of people who kind of move inward for spiritual practice. I think peace is an aspect of that. And so at the protests we went to recently, I do have to say, first of all, kudos to the organizers, uh, a group of young people just out there doing the work or like bringing people together. And I respect the the hell out of that. Um, We wanted to talk about some of the more like angsty aspects of the protest that might that didn't seem as efficient towards the broader movement um, in action. Yeah. And the, I mean, starting with like small things was just for me, something I witnessed, um, not by the organizers. In mm-hmm. fact, there was someone who went directly against the, um, instructions of the organizers to, they said, don't engage with police, even though we eventually did when we were at their headquarters. Oh, we engaged with the cops. Yeah, and the organizers engaged, but they they asked us while marching, there's no need to engage with police. And um, Kiana and I saw this young guy who I've actually seen several times at the co-op, like he's one of those Tucson people that you're like, I know who you are. He'd probably be creeped out if I knew who he is, but um. <laughs> whatever. I mean, I know that dude too from Yoga World. Oh, do so, you? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't know you saw him too. Yeah. yeah. Who, who just immediately, like right at the get-go, went up to a cop and screaming in her face, screaming in their face, finger in the face. And I understand that people do have a lot of anger to unload right now. And I'm not saying, again, it's not my experience. I'm not saying, you know, you're not allowed to do that. But, um, but it was just indirect directly against and just to see like a white person taking that angry stance and and doing uh, against what the organizers had asked it was just like wow you are so privileged to be able to do that and you know what what I thought was like uh an extra level of special about that situation Mm. was that it was um a small white lady cop Yes. And yes. I was like, dude, you're like, you're not being bad right now. Like you didn't yeah. pick out the biggest cop and you we were screaming at him. Like you picked out the small white lady cop and like, no offense to small white lady cops. <laughs> I don't, you know, that's <laughs> not, that's very not a mighty, mighty, probably very tough. Like, yeah. That's like, but. That, that's that shit. That's that white guy shit where it's like, you did, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're, you're, you're being safe. You're flexing on some, on the safest cop here. Right. I, I in am his a, mind or in his, you know, it, that may not be correct, but he should, his, he should have not yeah. just, don't as a general don't talk to the cops right so I, I think as people who practice yoga like we look at we go through experiences with like a discerning eye kind of like a critical eye um not to say we're being like super critical of everything that always happens around not judgmental that there's right. a difference but I think part of um kind of work to do on oneself is like Right, I mentioned it before, looking at your, a pa- like patterns and kind of deciphering which ones are useful and which ones aren't and what, what, what are we trying to do with our patterns, you know, with our small actions. And so when we see something like that, um, I just want to say, put this out there, like we're not being judgmental. Of, I, I don't feel judgmental of any of these people because I've been there before. I've screamed at a, at a person before. I've been mm-hmm, there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think we're questioning our actions as like, who do we want to be viewed as a movement? Like how, how do we want to be viewed as a movement? Yeah. Um, do we want to be viewed as like a group of people just like screaming at police? Right. Um, and some might say yes to that. And some might, yeah. and some might and say yes to that. And that's what we're here to but, talk about right but, now. Uh, so. No, and I think what, but what we're here to say as approaching this as, as spiritual practitioners in this movement yeah. is that we're here to say, no, that's not what mm-hmm. I think we should, we think this should be going yeah. on. And that, and that we, I, I think that we need to be very deliberate about how we're interacting with police mm-hmm. officers and the messages that are coming out of these protest movements. I think it's very valuable. I'll be the first one to say all cops are bastards and fuck the police. But I also want to be so radical that, that they're, they're bastards because nobody loves them and because they've been abandoned into the system and they've been taken away and they're bastards of the state. Yeah, but they're tools of the they state. But if they lay down their badge, lay down their gun... And and genuinely come join the move, want to join our movement, to hear the truth in our words. I will love them and let them in, and they will. I will walk front lines with them. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I say that not as a person. Of, I'm not sympathetic to cops. Right. <laughs> I'm not sympathetic to cops. I'm sympathetic to to a, a being of this earth, whom I share, uh, uh, who I share the experience of being human with. Yeah. And and yeah. and I love them and respect them and if, and if they turn the, and if they turn in their their badge and their gun, I will I I love them still, as a human as a being I respect mm-hmm. them, yeah. But I will I will also love them and accept them into our movement and the, and the message coming out of the protests the other night from these organizers, in front of TPD, was that they were they were yelling at them they were like fuck you you're fu- like you're fucking less than human like your life doesn't matter like it does like and those, it doesn't and those exist words um maybe not exactly verbatim but those not words not verbatim said, but you know, that was the like, rhetoric they'll never it was, have a place in our community yeah well ne- you'll yeah yeah there was something along the lines of yeah you're never going to be welcome with us yeah. and so that was kind of and i think i want to be so radical that we just let them in if they yeah. if they come yeah. in and be like okay come on and cool the level you're, of you're with anger us now. and bitterness and you know i mean that was coming up in the people speaking i understand and um that's mm-hmm. why you know i don't want to tone police what they're i think for me it's not about i'm not I can't control the movement. Um, mm-hmm. I can put my ideas forth in the movement. I can be a community member of the movement. We can sit here and have this conversation. We can organize side events and do other things. Um, but what I'm really questioning is how do I want to participate in the movement? Yes. So when I see a group that's organizing events and that's going to be the rhetoric coming from that, do I still stand with them? Mm-hmm. And I was talking to another friend the other night um, who, I don't think I told you guys this, but after um, I ended up having to Good, take, you saved it for the podcast. Yeah, no, it just <laughs> didn't come up. But, um, <laughs> but um, your bike had some problems coming back uh-huh. from the protest the other night. So I biked home and I got my car and I drove you home. I got home, took a shower, start, like ate a little something, you know, because I hadn't had dinner. And then I get a text message from another friend who I had asked to let me know when they got home safely. And they were like, my tire just blew <sighs> out on their bike. And so I went and picked up another nice. biker that night. And so when I had them in the car, I was like, you know, what do you think? And they said, and I like the way they put it. They said, um, I may not always agree with their tactics, but I will defend 
down, like I will defend them with every last dying breath for their right to express themselves the way they want. Yeah. Yes. And I completely wow. agree with that statement, you yeah. know? Um, that is beautiful. Yeah. That right. is beautiful. Yeah, and for I think sure. Damn. To, to clarify that for a moment in regards to what we were talking about earlier with the, with the, um, the white male-bodied person yelling at the um, cop is that, okay, that anger being expressed by people who have been affected by police brutality versus the anger being expressed by someone who's taking it on Mm -hmm. from the movement, it's different, right? Giving people space to, like, express their true feelings. Yeah, well, there was also a difference in the timing because the organizers, we had gone to police headquarters, Tucson, Department of Police, TPD. This was a few miles into the march at this point. Yeah, so we've been, and there was, they were center stage. To be clear, and to be, the incident with the, that we were just describing with the guy screaming at the Was just on the side of the road at the very beginning of the movement. Five minutes in, ten minutes in. So there's a difference between being on center stage, the crowd behind you, you have the mic, it's your time to talk, you're the organizer. organizer. This is your show. Um, versus I'm just one person at the back of the line at the very beginning of the march, and I just pick one person to just go and dump all of my anger onto. And, um, yeah, so I I can say, like, I'm really... One thing I'm trying to do is, um, while I'm still, like, recognizing what something brings up for me and looking at it and and seeing how I relate to it and not just, you know, saying that's wrong, that's right... um, but I am noticing what my body tells me, and I can tell you when I looked at that just intuitively, I felt icky. That's my yeah. best describe dis- description of it. You know, just like it just doesn't feel good yeah. mm-hmm. to see someone engage like that. So, and then the other thing that I saw was uh, uh, another uh, white person, um, female presenting female bodied um, who was knocking down construction site things, and I understand. The idea of like we need people to listen to us and that's why we're defacing property and we're doing these things because we need to be heard but I also felt like well construction work but I mean that goes back to the property damage argument so I'm like yeah, well sure. is this just a property you know am I am I saying how there's yeah, a right she way she was like moving sandbags was and knocking and it, her and her little her little crew were moving knocking yeah. sandbags taking sandbags off like I felt like it just wasn't like the best over. way to damage property because a it wasn't really damaged you're just gonna have to put it back up the construction we're gonna just put it back up the next day and it also just kind of like made something for the protesters themselves to have to step and trip over and notice now like because every few feet now they were like oh there's a sandbag in my way oh you know so I felt like it was actually more dangerous for us to do that so it just kind of seemed maybe I was more supportive of the graffiti under the freeway, the really quick act. Yes. Oh, I was yeah. like, that was that. dope. Yeah. That was Love dope. Because now every time when you're driving under the freeway, if they don't paint over it, you're going to see FTPD. You're going to see ACAB. And I was like, that's cool. ACAB, that's cool. all cops are bastards. bastards. Yeah. Um, but knocking yeah, stuff over that way, that doesn't, I just, you know, maybe that I just do thought that it was dumb. You're, no, you're so right. I think, I think you're so right. And I think, and, and that's kind of what I'm getting, also another thing that, that I want to get at too and address, like, and, and call out to the, to the protest community is to just be aware of your actions, to be traveling with that awareness and think critically right. for a moment and go, what is this affecting? What is my mm-hmm. message? What am I trying to do here? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just a general, like, okay rule when it comes to, like, some protest movement mm-hmm. um and and it's um and, and it's very important <laughs> i yeah just 
when that when we were walking and, and just seeing uh, this group next to us like knock over the construction signs and stuff um, my kind of issue with it like my first initial gut reaction to it was was oh yeah okay I'm gonna jump along and do this because like fuck the police let's make a let's make a statement yeah and I reached my hand out and then I took it back because I realized the organizers aren't doing this mm-hmm. it's not it's and and quite frankly also the protesters uh, black and brown protesters and Latinx and indigenous, indigenous protesters were not doing it it was the white protesters doing it the mm-hmm. white folks so I and me as like I, I um, saw someone who is <laughs> identified like I'm I'm Latina, um, I, like, look white, and to cops, I look like a white girl, you know? And so, like, it's not my, I didn't, I didn't, it's, I just felt like it wasn't my place. If the organizers had said, hey, we're all going to do this, like, yeah, I would have maybe thought about it a little bit more. I, I still would have questioned it, you know, because, I mean, we're questioning everything right now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just... So that, I heard that somebody. Was I heard somebody no. say once they were like they were like white people have just been the ultimate like one uppers of everything throughout <laughs> yeah. time. And like in the most fucked up way, white people have always historically just go like, "How can we agitate this situation right now?" Yeah. And it's like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. "Oh my gosh, yeah. that's yeah." That's I had the similar you know feelings, and then I was just you know speaking of like the movements being on message and on point and like more cohesion I would say a lot of what's happening right now I can speak for Tucson is very organic in you know the what's what's coming up and what's happening um and I don't think there is a lot of planning happening in terms no. of like you know it's a five minute speech like here are the medics here's the route kind of but we might change mm-hmm. it and here's this and here's that and you know but it's not really like I think You know, obviously, we're all reflecting a lot on the life of John Lewis and thinking back to, like, the civil rights movement and the good trouble that that generation caused. And and the message, the overwhelming message of nonviolence um, during that time and how people are saying, well, it was so powerful. And I'm like, was it? I don't know. Um, But like, um, you know, but I think that group, they probably met and talked and knew each other before they took that you know it wasn't a five minute pep talk before they headed over that bridge no the Edmund Pettus bridge that had been building yeah Selma to Montgomery bridge that had been building for a long time that was a key moment in our history you know probably they knew it not just in hindsight they knew it walking stepping foot onto that bridge they knew this was going to be a key moment and there was probably a lot of praying before that event there was probably a lot of coming together and talking you know staying what is our message what are we doing Mm -hmm. this for reminding people you know of the integrity and their dignity and really turning it into I mean a spiritual moment to allow the police to sick the dogs and you know they say I was listening to an interview or something with him he was wearing that cream kind of tan jacket that that was likely now I haven't heard this confirmed but that was likely a deliberate choice because the blood show would show blood. up on it yeah wow. so no, that's it was what, like, that was deliberate Right. So, I mean, so I'm as a as an Ashanga yoga practitioner of the yamas and the niyamas, the first y'all help me out here. The first yama. Ahimsa. No, ahimsa, the first niyama. 
Or is that Yama? No, it's Yama. Okay. Niyama. Have right. you ever heard anybody reference it? Niyamas and the Yamas? No. Correct. Correct. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Ahimsa of the first of nonviolence. And being a nonviolent practitioner, I have been asking myself, how willing am I to go the nonviolent path? Am I willing to like go to the point of nonviolence of like getting beaten up by sure. a cop? That is and such a good question. That it is. And I, what does nonviolence look like in the protest movement? And I'm going to also pose the question, because mm. this is something I think about. What is, <laughs> what does nonviolent action look like in response to a violent state action? Right. And, and yeah. is, say for instance, mm-hmm. is hit you know, some tear gas gets thrown and you got a tennis racket and you knock it back at the cops. I think that's nonviolent. I think that's that's defensive. That's defensive. Is that mm-hmm. nonviolent? Because you're using the... I'm got out you're there trying the, to get it away from you. got a tennis racket. Yeah, you're just trying club. to get it away from you yourself. Or really anything that you can swing and hit tear or gas away lower. from you. Just a, just a quick tip. <laughs> just a quick protest tip. Um... Yeah, all you people out or there with good lower. hand-eye coordination. Mm-hmm. Hand-eye coordination. Sports fans, hey, I'm speaking. To, I'm, I'm speaking. I'm, I'm calling on the yoga people out there that may that might have a little bit more balance and coordination. We're calling on you to be out there hitting some tear gas away. Yeah, um, but anyways, so that's <laughs> um, and so what and and what nonviolence? I I believe in. I I wholeheartedly walk with with ahimsa in my life. Mm-hmm. And and I and want to make decisions, of, and and I make decisions around being nonviolent, mm-hmm. and, and that is something I walk with. And so heading into the protest movement, seeing violence in, so to speak, violence via verbal rhetoric being perpetuated through, and I just I just. Just I just question it. And what yeah. does nonviolence look like in this movement in response to a a, a, a militarized police force and yeah. state military? And I think you know? most, you know, I would say that a lot of the protests have been nonviolent and the the protesters nonviolent, you know, and then they're yeah, they're getting a violent reaction to um to the point of, you know, I mean, uh I like but I think people need to know, you know, there was a 18 year old protester who got her teeth knocked out yeah, by that Chicago was in, police, in Chicago police. That yeah. was a few weeks ago. Um, Miracle Boyd. That's her name. Miracle yeah. Boyd. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have died in this movement already. There was a protester in Kentucky in the first like week or two mm-hmm. of the George Floyd protest was shot, was shot and killed. And they didn't know for a while, but it was a national guardsman right. that pulled the trigger and shot this man. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a, that's an example of, the state, our government, yeah. the military, yeah. deployed within the U.S. military, within the U- the bounds of the United States, of shooting and killing a citizen. That yeah. is insane. Mm-hmm. That and I just want to mark that at this moment. Oh shoot, it's not insane. <laughs> you um, can edit it out. <laughs> no, this is good. <laughs> Live catch. Um, what is it? What would it be other? Give me a word. See, I know. Give that's me a word. Preposterous. Preposterous. No, that doesn't quite describe how I feel. <laughs> This is not just preposterous, Kiana. I think it was a good first. Was a friend of that? I don't know why that was the first word that um, it Thank is you for calling for ridiculous? calling me ridiculous. Not ridiculous. Um, I would uh, historical, uh, noteworthy, 
Yeah. Um, something no to worthy. That's a good word. To to mark in your brain as a turning point because yeah. as it stands, cops and military members, federal agents are beating the shit out of American citizens and killing them in some instances. Yeah. And in many places, people have been shot at protests. Not by always by federal agents. Often it's other it's civilians shooting a civilian. But it it's been happening and. Um, segue in what I wanted to mention this tonight. A protester was shot in yeah. Austin, Texas, yeah. and this is a, this is an interesting story here it about is. the protest movement. Is that he was marching with his wife, his long-term girlfriend, fiance, fiance, mm-hmm. um, who she uh, is in a wheelchair. Um, she mm-hmm. was mar- marching with his fiance and an assault rifle. Mm-hmm. Or if you yes, accounts yes he was carrying an assault and rifle. And supposedly, this, as the story goes so far, he put, he pointed the gun at the driver, and the driver and then instead shot him. Uh, let me say, I don't 100% believe that. I am skeptical of that rhetoric. Right. I, I will stand, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong here, but I am, I am questioning that coming out of Austin, Texas, that mm-hmm. report. Because my, in my experience, what I've seen and what I've witnessed, witnessed and researched is that these right-wing folks are more than willing and want to draw their guns on people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and that is very concerning giving them that. any excuse. Well, I think yeah. it goes back to, like, you know, uh, speaking of family members that have different views, you know, my father is like, how can you feel the way that you do about the Trayvon Martin case because he's like that kid was beating up that guy and you know he was pounding him on the sidewalk saying you know that Trayvon Martin was you know gonna like this man feared for his life and that's why um I forget the guy's name but let's forget his I don't you know George Zimmerman. George Zimmerman, yeah. Bastard George Zimmerman too. felt fear for his life that night, and that's why, and that's that's the moment that justifies it, right? My dad said, did you hear his court testimony? And I, I actually, to, be, to you know, uh, accommodate my dad, I went back and read the court testimony, and I was like, of course he would, this is the person who lived, this is his account of how the situation went down, not the dead person. The dead person can't tell you how it went down. Mm-hmm. So we're only hearing. Want to wait? The dogs are fine. No, it's, it doesn't oh. look like it's picking up too much. Okay, but you know, so we're hearing, and he said, you know, at some point the young man looked at me and said, "I'm going to kill you tonight." The, this is what people. This is what George Zimmerman reported that Trayvon Martin said that really enacted the moment that he's allowed to pull out his firearm right. and shoot him, stand your ground. And so same thing in Texas. You know, it's like, oh, he pointed his gun at me, and that's that's the ticket. To getting away that's with murder, yeah, that's, and yeah, so oh, you know they are going to rely on eyewitness accounts, mm-hmm. and I, but do we trust the police to do a do, proper investigation? Yeah. Mm, no. <laughs> and um, you know, some similar, similarly, cops all they have to say, and, and I'm going to tie right. this. I'm going to tie this back to the protest. Mm-hmm. Cops all they have to say is that I feared for my life. Right. And and cops at protests all they have to say is this is an unlawful assembly mm-hmm. and then they come in and just fuck up protesters. Yeah. The, yeah. All they have to say on their loudspeaker, this is an unlawful assembly and we at Tucson Police Department are gonna, uh, not afraid to shoot you with uh, grenade, grenade rounds from uh, uh, tear gas. <laughs> like. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, so yeah, so like this. That's, oh, I'm sorry, Kiana. Please no, go. Please um, go. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's really something that came up for me 
this week just seeing things, you know, incline further, um, is I just, I just started asking a bunch of questions. Like, why are we doing all of these things? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Every little thing that we did at that protest, I was questioning the whole time just because I wanted to um, continually assess, like, how effective our actions were as Mm. people. We were only 150 people there. Um, So, you know, how do we be the most effective? And I think, I think when we think about it, you know, right off the bat, it is, you know, walking in the streets, chanting the streets, being loud, being, you know, um, trying to make eye contact with the cops. Stopping traffic. Stopping, go, yeah, stopping traffic. Stopping traffic. And then it culminated in trying to stop the most traffic we possibly could, which was the I-10. Um, we were trying to get up the ramp, and the police, you know, kept us from going up the ramp. State troopers. State mm-hmm. troopers, good call. Um, yeah, and I just... Yeah, so that's what, that's what, that's what happened, and that's what I was wanted, to, wanted to say a moment ago, was that I, I brought up co- cops shooting, um, and cops and state troopers shooting tear gas rounds. That's what happened to us yeah. the other night when we, were at, when we were at our protest. So down the line, at this time it was evening, it was dark, We've been marching for two hours at this point, and we had just taken a rest, and we were like, all right, bet, we're heading towards the freeway, and, like, that's just what was happening. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm standing in solidarity with these people because I believe in this movement. If the organizers decide that that's where yep. we're headed, that's where we're going to head. And, like, mm-hmm. I, it is my duty, I feel. Mm-hmm. And this is a weird word, duty, and I can't, but I, I feel honor in that word in some sense, and I, I don't know, I identify with it. I identify with it. I feel a duty as a human being on this earth with the awareness that I have and the ab- ability and able body that I have to stand there and be with these people in this movement because this is a fight for human rights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so and- we walked, and the state troopers come out there. Um, and a few of us got separated. Not a few. What We had some bikes, so well, we were in the back of the line. Yeah. At some point, we were asked, they said, hey, could bikes please move to the back? Because we were walking our bikes, and there, you know, there's pedestrians, bikers walking their bikes, bikers on their bikes, kind of circling around yeah. us. So they said, hey, could you move to the back? So we ended up in the back, which means that when we started approaching the on-ramp to the highway, the I-10 here, um, there were state troopers in front and behind us. So we ended up, we ended up being the very first people in between the back line of cops with just our bikes, creating a line of bikes. And I would not have necessarily volunteered to be in that situation. (laughs) You wouldn't have signed um, up for that. To be honest. Um, You didn't know that that's what was about to go down. Right. I didn't know that the night was going to end with like, I don't know how many cops were in front of us in cars. And then they pulled up with their siren really loud. But then you could also hear like, that they were speaking to us over a loudspeaker, but the siren was going and trying to like blare us and intimidate us, but we couldn't hear the speaker. So I'm like, are they telling us to get on the ground or they're going to shoot? Like, we don't know what they're saying right now. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, like linking it back to your last episode, a lot of fear came up for me. Oh, certainly. That was a lot of fear. uh, I, I think everybody that has been at a protest and has been on the line with cops has experienced fear. 
And I've watched the videos and this is, you know, one of my reflections on that, that experience was I've watched videos of, you know, I mean, I've seen people, yeah, walk up to cops with their hands up and get on their knees in front of these, you know, riot gears. And until you're there with like, like the lights and them and their thing, and they're like ready to take action on you, like I have so much more respect mm -hmm. for all of the protesters mm -hmm. all over this country because it's definitely one thing to watch it on a video and it's a whole other thing to be standing with that much intimidation and firearms and noise and power displayed in front of you. I, I completely agree. Like, I feel you there on, like, that is not necessarily a situation that I would, like... If I knew that that was going to be where my day ended that day, <laughs> I would probably would have made a bunch of excuses. <laughs> However, in the moment, mm -hmm. I didn't even think about it. Like, I just stood there. Like, I, and I, I'm sure you can speak to that. The yeah. adrenaline kicked in, and I realized this because... I realized I kind of fell into a role. So I had my bike, so I became part of the line of bikes, mm -hmm. and I felt not as scared. I didn't feel fearful. I felt like I'm here. This is what I'm doing. I'm very alert. I'm yeah. on the alert right now. I felt in fight or flight. Like I was definitely in fight or flight. And then I realized, okay, we all kind of made like an, like a, where are we going to go out if they start to like come for us, you know? Um, and I realized one of our group was like in the front. So mm -hmm. I sank into this role of like, corral the group make everyone on the same page of where we'll meet up and stuff you know and so I realized when I was like running to go find people in our group like I didn't have a single thought in my head and I like I just realized <laughs> that I was like there's no thoughts in my head right now I'm just yeah. like doing I'm no just thoughts. doing yeah. I'm on automatic I'm like just going and then it didn't hit me until I got home later mm -hmm. the like hit on my nervous system yeah. like I just felt overcome by like holy crap like that happened that was a lot and that yeah. wasn't the first time that that's happened stakes. during this protest movement um, it was yeah. high stakes and and it, it wasn't the first time that we met, been met with tear gas by right. state troopers on, um, on, on interacting with the I-10. Um, but to this second time around, or at least the second time around that we've experienced for this. First for me, yeah. Um, is that these folks were mu much more willing to open fire than they, than they were a month ago. And that yeah. is what is markedly different about this, this moment in time in the protest movement is that the, the rhetoric within the policing community is for them to actively be amp, amp turning up the volume right. on this. And mm -hmm. they're the ones causing, causing violence and protesters. And this is why I, I'm, I wanted to bring up nonviolence in response to a violent mm -hmm. state is the protesters are now responding with showing up with cardboard armor on, for instance, so right. they can, so they can take shots from, from these cops, rubber from, their, from rubber bollets, yeah. they come with shields, plywood signs, yeah. helmets. We're, we're, you know, That's one of the first things that you instructed um, when we were in that situation was, hey, put your bike helmet on. Yeah. And I, I was yeah, like, that oh. was a moment where I was like, yeah. put your helmet on right now. Yeah. Um, because like, just don't know. because they shoot grenade rounds at, yeah. at uh, American police officers shoot grenade rounds yeah. um, via tear gas mm -hmm. at American citizens. 
Yeah. And we witnessed that firsthand the other night. Yeah. And, and it, so. So, a, but a question I want to ask about this is, okay, so here, at least it seems like a lot of the protests are kind of culminating at the I-10, at least the ones I've gone to. And the, so the question I ask when I'm questioning everything that we're doing at the protests is, what are we trying to accomplish by going on the I-10? Certainly. With 150 people. Okay, right. so... Mm-hmm. And then my immediate answer is, well, obviously to show more people driving what we're doing and to get our message out more and to just, like, make a bigger impact, right? Mm -hmm. That's my first answer for myself. Mm -hmm. And then I say, well, our whole reason for this movement is to end, end the killing, right? We're trying not to have anybody get hurt anymore in our communities. Like, obviously it's happening so we're we're organizing and we're demonstrating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when we take a group onto the I-10, like, what are we walking into? Like, what if the car doesn't stop right away? Yeah. What if the first person out there, mm-hmm. you know, what if one person in our group of 150 gets hit? That is something that, like, as a group, we have to discuss discuss uh, well with. no i mean like yeah. if even, that were to no, happen not even necessarily discuss if that were to happen like as a group we would we i think we would all feel horrible like why did we yeah, you know we would then I mean, we I, would then question it when it was too late right. so like how do I we demonstrate discuss, though like like with the john lewis situation like there was probably lots of discussions yeah. in those groups about how yeah. how are they walking across that bridge and you know and it had been going on for months and maybe they they like this movement you know figured it out as they went along and certainly yeah. there were different factions of the civil rights movement the more you know militant black panther though i don't want to be another person that only mentions the black panthers and talks about the mili- military I'm stuff because black they panther. were all about the community in all fact community all of their their uh, first projects had nothing to do with like guns and arming yourself or anything like that. They mm-hmm. were about healing and working with and and caring for kids and youth programs. Um, so they did a lot for the community, and they're mm-hmm. always remembered as like if you think Black Panther, you think like black man with a gun, and that's not that's a very small part of what they were about later on mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but yeah, there were different factions of the civil rights movement. So people were having these conversations and they were deciding where do I belong in this movement? Yes, yes. And we're, it's all just so early for us. It's so organic. Things are just kind of happening. And then we do already, I mean, here in Tucson, we do have different factions, right? That group that we were marching with, and this is another question I've asked myself, the group we were marching with does not have the blessing of Black Lives Matter Tucson chapter because Mm -hmm. the black lives matter organizers here have said you're no good to us if you're in jail or you're dead we want you alive for this movement Mm -hmm. and so they are actively against situations that kind of dial up or perhaps i don't think we would say i would never want to say the word like invite that kind of response because that response is never needed from the police that level of response no but it is inviting confrontation yeah Mm -hmm. nothing that a group of 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 people protesting and demonstrating um, should response be... That should not be the response, no, That should not period. be the response is violence from the state, and that's been normalized here right. in America. Yeah. Some, something else that, like... And in other places around the world. Mm-hmm. Let me say that. Not yeah. just America. Yeah. We have worldwide... We have global Let's all listeners. Yeah. <laughs> worldwide listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, something that... 
this is something I've really been grappling with lately because I'm just, I'm just like, okay, well, this is obviously, it seems like it's inevitably escalating. Like it's just like the very act of us demonstrating for a sustained period of time. Yes. The police are choosing to escalate. Right. Um, How, and, and also, and also when we are constantly, and I'm, I'm really going to try to, um, everyone just have a little grace with me right now. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say this because I just want to put these words out there as food for thought. Um, this has been food of something I've been chewing on all week. Mm. Um, (laughs) is okay. So if we come out and like scream, uh, kind of hateful messages to the police officers if we come out there you know swinging our arms around and like really really yelling at them we are how do we how do we appear when we're doing that we appear passionate we appear um angry angry we appear you know we're having some sort of physical reaction to what is happening. Mm-hmm. And so that does not necessarily like scream peace, right? And I think there's also a lot of people out there that are saying, well, peaceful protesting doesn't get us that far. And I agree yeah. with that. I definitely agree with that. And also the protests that seem to be like really memorable in human history are the ones where people are showing the most peace and love that they possibly can and they're getting met with violence in return. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think that shows exactly our point, exactly the right. point we're trying to make of, hey, we're out here just trying to get our message out mm-hmm. and live our lives. And they're coming out here like ready to kill us or yeah. ready to hurt us at mm-hmm. the very, very least. No, ready to kill us because people are already dying. So, so I think we really need to question how we are presenting our message because I asked Josh the question, like, what do you, when we got home that night, like, what do you think the police officers are telling their families about mm-hmm. their shift? Yeah. They're saying, you know, that they got yelled at, that they got yelled at by the community here, that they will never be a part of the community, that they will never be accepted. Do you think they talk to their families? <laughs> <laughs> you think they express their feelings? Oh my gosh. Actually, great Sorry. question. Great point. point. But I know. Great point. But I know what you mean. So the <laughs> thing I really want to say, though, is what, and this is kind of what I was chewing on all week, and this is kind of where I've ended up, and I would love for, if anyone out there wants to open this discussion up with me, um, Q&A on a Monday hangout. Oh, yeah. So if we are going out there with anger and hatred and... I, I'll just use those words. Anger and hatred. Here's, here's the take. I think we're playing right into the same game of the patriarchy. I think, like... I think we are perpetuating this standard that we are solving our problems by yelling at each other and okay and I know a lot of people could say oh that's such a Pollyannish view you know that we can just talk about all our problems and I don't necessarily think that I'm just saying that like I just think we've got to change our tactic of dealing with conflict period Mm. and that happens also on that happens on an individual level happens in a community level that happens in you know state national and, and global level like we just humans have to change the way we deal with conflict and so if we come out there with anger and with mm-hmm. hatred um 
I'm reading this book right now called Teachings on Love by Thich Nhat Hanh. Is that how you pronounce their name? I have no idea I how the no hell you properly I'm pronounce okay. these things. Um, I say Thich Nhat Hanh, and, I, and people just know that. And you know what? Uh, all respects to you, Thich Nhat Hanh, but if I'm mispronouncing your name, please forgive me for my ignorance. <laughs> we're very sorry. We appreciate your books and your no teachings. No one here at the table knows, um, so you're in good company. Who? Okay, so this person is a Zen Buddhist monk who writes fantastic books about radical ideas, mm. um, in my opinion. And love is a radical idea in our society. And um, they argue that if we experience anger inside ourselves and then also perpetuate it out, mm. that we are continuing to fuel the fire of anger in our collective human consciousness. That if we experience anger and hatred in our bodies, Thich Nhat Hanh argues, um, oh, I hope I'm, I'm doing them justice. I was going to say, he probably wouldn't argue, he just states. No, he's oh arguing. yeah, would state. Yeah. He says no, in the book, I'll say that. About it. Says in the book that <laughs> um, it is our job to halt that with us. Yeah. To not pass that on any further. Yeah. That to not let that anger to instead put our energy into transforming that anger and hatred into love, acceptance and understanding of each and every person's individual experience. And that is how we learn to love everyone and everything. And, and that is how we build peace. And so that is what they would say about that. Yeah. And that's where I'm being Josh. and that's where I'm coming at from. I'm talking about that mm -hmm. radical acceptance of like cops that want to turn in their badges. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to call them a bastard while they're in, yeah. in their uniform. I'm not going to stop saying all cops mm -hmm. are bastards. Right. But if they come into our movement, I, I will love them and I will respect them. And broadly to this conversation, I think what you just it asked is uh, or what you just put out there is I think a call to spiritual people of this mm -hmm. world to to sh to show up to the to the movements that yes. are happening yeah. around them locally Definitely. and that's and and I think that is where eight limbs of fury comes from is mm -hmm. that is that we are we are looking at this movement as peaceful beings as mm -hmm. people that want to exist in in happiness and peace on this earth with all creatures all beings mm -hmm. everybody mm -hmm. even the bastard cops and the oil men if they stop i'll love them <laughs> I, I still mean, love them yeah, but, them now, I, I but love you're them not now, gonna like not call them yeah I, I i don't accept what they do because i right. believe right. i believe i know but we don't hate that their them. actions are immoral and wrong yeah. but Part i do of, not hate them yeah. yes and and so what, what what comes of spiritual practitioners coming into this movement is that we can have that kind of radical idea of Thich Nhat Hanh buddhism because a lot of people a lot of like spiritual folks have that kind of those considerations mm -hmm. of of acceptance and love mm -hmm. and so I think it's so important for us now to stand up in this movement as yoga practitioners as meditation practitioners as whatever you know Peaceful. Christian yeah. Islamic Buddhist whomever whatever you are step into this movement because your your voice of of peace and acceptance is 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 needed here mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and I, I mean, God, what, who was Jesus Christ other than a person that, like, helped, helped, like, gave voices to people stood that were... Stood with the poor. And underserved and stood, stood with, with the, the poor. Yeah, yeah. And, and Gandhi and other and great, Gandhi and, you know, yeah. lots of greats throughout history. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, lots of greats throughout history. But no, 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 I, think, I, yeah, I say Jesus Christ just as, like, a 
broad cultural reference yeah. to Americans, and I think a lot around the world. And because oh, he absolutely. did, he did, he did literally preach a message of peace. So yeah, I just, I mean, oh gosh, and this is okay. This right here is like why we wanted to start this podcast because it's like people who are like diving inwards in their in their own practices are changing the world in that I would argue we are changing and I'll use the term again like the fabric of collective consciousness like Mm -hmm. we are actively out here as changers of hateful energy into peaceful and loving energy right like may all beings everywhere be happy everywhere be be happy and so what happens when we have more of those people placed within protest groups within groups pushing um, the movement forward like what happens just only with the presence of of these people like and I'm not saying like oh these special people who are like you know these little like peaceful whatever no I'm just I'm just mentioning as like people there with different experiences and looking at the movement through different lenses Um, and I can just speak to that because of who I am but um well some I think people that's powerful that I just powerful. think that's powerful some people would argue that like um yoga practice and meditation practices changes the very fabric of yeah. your of your body and mind and changes the so-called vibrations if changes you want to talk about vibrations. it it opens up your chakras, your chakras. Yeah, it changes, don't you forget know, if we're talking about vibrations we gotta talk know, about chakras you're, you're, don't eating, you're eating clean you know whatever <laughs> so like it does do that and so there I think there is some truth to that yeah. statement and it's not as ho- hokey pokey to, to say that yeah no I, yeah. I think we all agree here and I think you know just going back to the question of the role of the yoga practitioner um, in this movement and peacefulness, you know, I just want to reiterate that I don't, we're not judging, I'm, you know, I don't think any of us here, I'll speak for us, and if I'm wrong, you can correct me, but we're not judging those that are, are expressing anger, because I think everything is a mm-hmm. process, and there's there's a lot of, you know, there's hundreds of years of unsaid and unacknowledged yes. truths, and yes. people are you know, many people are going crazy because it's like, just see my truth. Like, you don't even have to agree with it. Just fucking see it. Just tell me you see it, you mm-hmm. know? And I can't imagine what that's like because my truth has always been like, yes, of course, this is the way it is. Um, so I don't think there's anything wrong with anger in the movement necessarily. No. I just think that there's also room in the movement for peace and um that's a great way to put it yeah because ultimately what we're calling for is defund disband disarm right right and for then that's towards the police specifically yeah but broadly as a cultural and i think what this movement uh Mm -hmm. should in my opinion should be heading towards is like broader like actual leftist issues and pushing the progressive agenda further yeah and calling for like a, a general disarmament not only in the United States of its military, mm. but like broadly across the world. And some might call me crazy, but like yeah. uh, some might call me uh, oh, crazy. Yeah. You caught yourself. I didn't but, even catch it this uh, time. Unrealistic. Yes. But yes. I mean, I, I always say I have to have hope because otherwise yeah. I have despair and I've had despair my whole life. And I've cho- I'm a choose to have I have to choose to have hope and I have to envision this future of like radical love, acceptance mm-hmm. and change. So that way we can fix the problems of like mm-hmm. 
police violence against citizens so we can fix the problems of homelessness we can fix right. the problems of climate change we have to address we have to be radical about how right. we're approaching this and i think for folks who are so far away from the movement that these ideas i mean i someone has called me living in a utopia dream world if you know the idea of uh, on social media, um, the idea of right. <laughs> defunding I'm not the police, Lauren. <laughs> and I was like, I felt like I was like, yeah. Don't you want to live in a utopia right. dream world? Because I think as yoga practitioners, and this goes back again to the first episode where Satinder was talking about, um, he does a lot of Abraham Hicks kind of stuff, which. Uh, every you know Abraham Hicks says things that a lot of other great spiritual leaders have said throughout time just in a different way um it appeals to some people it doesn't appeal sometimes it appeals to me anyway but the whole idea is that you like whatever you can think can be sure. and I think as yoga practitioners mm-hmm. like and and many who you know abolitionists may or may not do yoga but abolitionists in the true sense of the word we can all see this other world it's so mm-hmm. we can taste it. We're yeah. like, oh, it's going to be amazing. And like we it's people say, well, you're living in a dream world. And it's like we could if you li- believed in it, too. Right. Like you just have to believe have and to it believe. could be our and we world. Can do it. And that's a radical. I mean, that is some hippie. Yeah, cr- yeah. some hippie shit. I almost but like I've, <laughs> I've always had a grasping of that. Yeah. When I when I first went, I'm going to toot my vegan horn here. Beep beep. Toot, toot. I prefer I prefer, I prefer toot toot as opposed okay. to beep well, beep. That was my horn. That that's was your horn. horn. This is my horn. Mine toot, was like. <laughs> yeah, can I just have more of a fog horn? <laughs> Coming through the fog. Oh gosh. Um, when I was Glad seventeen, I, I went vegan when I was seventeen, senior year of high school, and I've had this argument ever since. Is People have called me called me ridiculous. People have called me what a number of things. Yeah. They've called me the things that I said I'm not going to say anymore, so I'm not <laughs> going to say that. Um, but I've always understood that if we just all decided, hey, we're not going to do animal agriculture anymore. We're actually going to eat lentils and whatever, you know, we're going to drastically stop. We're going to cut it by 90%. Some people are going to have – people will have access to some meat but we're just not going to do it broadly, culturally. I, that's like, yeah, like I've just known that collective consciousness is able to go to that because we've all decided that cars are normal. Yeah. We've all decided that wearing blue jeans are normal, that right. wearing shoes are normal. Why can't we decide we- that capitalism is abnormal and we want to do something different? That that actually uh, militarized police officers in cities and, and, in, and in small towns is abnormal and we should not do that anymore like it's yeah. it's not it's not a radical idea yeah, we've I think moved it's a away from normal. kings and dictate you know like human that's the it's beauty changed. of being human on in this time is we we can always choose to reimagine the way that we could live in the world yeah we, and it's not going to happen overnight no, but I you can just make a decision but, to do li- more, do things differently and live differently. Yeah, or to the person on social media who was like, you're living in a dream world. Like, even if the only action that they took today was opening their mind to even, not even saying, okay, I'm going to agree with it, but just having a, le- a level of curiosity. Why would someone think that's a good idea? And like trying to see it, just trying to see it. 
to try to do some mental gymnastics. Right. Just because I think at the start of the show, we were talking about Mm non-binary and like how it, it did kind of feel like it kind of, for me, math and learning another language kind of make my brain go like, it's just like, it's just, there's something about the way that I exercise my brain and, and those kind of languages that it is hard. It's not easy. It doesn't come naturally to me. And that is the same feeling I had in my brain when I first, you know, was learning about non-binary. Like, oh, yeah, totally. And it's kind it of like that. It certainly feels like that. Yeah. It, 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 it feels like uh, like spaghetti brain. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it feels different <laughs> for all of us. I'm sure we have our spaghetti brain. Just picture <laughs> spaghetti brain. I don't have to explain it. Just picture it. Just picture it. That is not. It's just some, like, not al dente, like, <laughs> Just well, goopy. Anyway, speaking of abolitionists and like the the yoga practitioners thing, uh, I have followed some uh, abolitionists on Instagram who are so deeply into this lens through which to look at the world that they don't they don't criticize folks calling for justice for Breonna Taylor and like all of these uh, killer cops. They're not saying don't do that. But they themselves don't think that prison is the solution to yeah, this problem. Sure, mm-hmm. and yeah. that was one of those like what? Yeah, th- and moments. That's, that's the that's the very thing that I'm talking about about yes. being mm-hmm. so radical that radical. we will that we will just yes. that we can take these people in and make the change that we want to see. I am with that. Yes, I I subscribe to the beliefs. I would like to call myself an abolitionist. Yeah. I believe in that, and I've, I've, I'm going to echo the words of... I'm, I, I'm not going to verbatim echo the words, but mm-hmm. uh, Sean King is a great um, o- activist organizer. He's known on the national level. Um, Sean King, I follow him on Instagram. One of the main reasons I have social media, mm-hmm. honestly, is to interact with Sean King's stuff. Um, and he has just been such an influence on ed- educating so many people about uh, things that are going on. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm going to just plug, just because if listeners are listening and they may have heard about the the one little, like I still think Sean King picks out a lot of great media and I still follow him and appreciate his work. But there was some uh, finances and raising f- monies for different causes that was questioned. Not fucked out. That all wasn't people. true. No, that's was all. Was it not? That's okay, fake internet wanna, news shit. Okay. Okay, cool. I'm glad. No, I'm yeah, glad to I, know that. But I, Sean King is an. I was uh, like, I just don't want listeners calling in and being like, well, they don't, I don't know if they no, can't call you. Listener, <laughs> like, listener you, can, yeah. you can DM us on Instagram. DM yeah. on Instagram. We'll exactly. Yeah. Um, no, that was not. No, Sean. Okay. Uh, okay and I'm. I just wanted I, to acknowledge Sean that King we understand that that exists. Man. You yeah. don't need to inform us about yeah, it. Yeah, you don't need to inform us about that. We <laughs> already know about that. But no, Sean King is like a modern leader of the civil rights movement of this time. And like, I think history is going to shine very nicely on him as, as a person that inspired yeah. the masses because he yeah. certainly has for me. Awesome. Um, we were talking about abolition and like, yeah, so like when we say, oh, well, I want all cops to just, or I want the cops to be in prison it's like okay well then we're still supporting the prison system right. so it's like what is our actual message what um, does something just look like when we take prisons out of the equation and I don't think it necessarily has to be like an eye for an eye like yes. a town hanging but there's so, the concepts of transformative waiting, justice but, but could there be a town hanging no <laughs> that's not Ahusa but is it I don't know I don't know but that's where I wanted to go separate with this. conversation <laughs> um is that okay, what does that look like? And what we're advocating for, right, is community outreach. Um, Is 
therapy. <laughs> I, right. I'm right. an advocate oh, of therapy for yeah. cops wow. because, okay, That's so <laughs> when we were sitting yeah, but in like the forced therapy, yeah. and you know what? When they're not in therapy, Mandated therapy. they um they have to do physical labor. And no, um, wait, no, this is wait, 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 and they have to live behind oh, bars. We have to check on them every month. We have to check on no, okay, but like I don't know. I lem- that being. Sorry. Sorry. I just, um, I wanted to finish this point. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So, um, when we were sitting there outside of like, uh, TPD and we were, I think we were giving the organizers were taking the space to say words to the cops that they felt the need to like tell them. Um, they were, those words were angry. Those words, you know, mm-hmm. were fiery. Um, and I definitely don't blame them for having them at all. Um, I I walked away from that asking myself, well, what makes a cop a cop? Um, and I think what came up in, to my mind, and I think what I've read a lot of online, is, is there's this, like, kind of bully complex. Like, what... I remember reading something... Um, earlier in my life while I was in school about like what makes a bully like what makes a bully and it's usually some sort of social rejection like some sort of like uh I wouldn't call it an inability but like a um an unease with like making friends like not having easy time being accepted into the you know the groups and whatnot and so then there's like a power structure there that they're trying to reach for power and then they become kind of a bully to try and exercise power over the people who they can't be with. Tight-knit group that they solidify themselves with. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we've heard the comparison of like cops are kind of acting like a gang right now. Mm -hmm. You know, they're supporting one another to the point of, remember that terrible footage of the old man who was knocked down? You know, when they had... was that? That was in... uh, I want to say New York. Or New Jersey. It was it was New York. It was in Buffalo. 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 New you're York. right. You're right. Buffalo. An old New man York. happened like late June. And when they had the court proceedings for, um, I I think yeah, fi- uh, charges were filed on one or two of the officers, not the other, you know, twenty some that walked past. But um, but they said, you know, but the, in their defense, I guess uh, apparently their defense was that they're acting like in war. Um, in war, when an army is walking by and there's a man down or somebody's hurt, you know that there's a special medic team just for them. So you do not stop for any reason. You keep, you know, whatever your commander has told you. But this so isn't that's, a war. Exactly. That's, that's what I, and, exactly. So it goes to that soldier mentality that they're fighting us, you know, yeah, like that we're they're the enemy. Us, that they're fighting us. Yeah. Sure. And, and that they're that not a, a part of our community, but they're against, they're against our community. It. So when they have that court case... All these officers showed up and were supporting them and clapping and cheering as they came out of the courthouse on yeah. that day. And I mean, that's that's some support. You push down an old man and your community is still behind you. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, I think, yeah, like a gang level. So I was thinking, you know, shit. we we help, uh, you know, all kinds of people get out of gangs and a reform program or system mm-hmm. like I feel like. 
I know this is like a level of, again, that radical love and sympathy, but it's like, could we have organizations that help transition cops? Just like we do for neo-Nazis and yeah. stuff. Like yeah, there groups, are, uh, groups up in like Portland and Seattle area in the yeah. Northwest, I know of particularly. That are doing organizations to get neo-Nazis. Yes, help, that, yeah, that yeah, to help them transition. That, yeah. And that's hard. And I think maybe if we really want to see cops put down their badges, we need to give them a bridge to the community and the love yes. and, you know. And it's crazy, though. It's there's a crazy room idea. for that anger and also to question ourselves yeah. as saying, all right, when can we also tell them we're ready to receive you mm. as your community um, if you're willing to put down the badge and leave the job? Yeah. I don't know, people. What Res- if I mean, like, respond. Yeah. Are would you be okay? Like, are yeah. you willing to do that? Because that's that's a question. That's crazy. Like, what if, like, I mean, this is, like, that's taking the idea, like, even further. Like, would we start GoFundMes to, like, pay their mortgage payments while they found a new job? Or, no, like, ideally we would just burn down the whole system <laughs> of banking and replace that shit because that is also a crime. But in the meantime... I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's crazy thoughts, but I think, you know, there's there's something there. And also, I would love, like, I, and I was talking with this uh, friend of mine who is affiliated with Black Lives Matter locally, and she was saying that, you know, she, she doesn't want to go down to these protests because she's a mom, and even though it's like Portland mom's the opposite, but, you know, um, she, she is a person of color, and she's just like, I'm trying to, you know, I'm not trying to get arrested. I need to, like, get my kids up in the morning and feed them and, you know, do my thing, and so she's not comfortable participating in a movement like that, and she said, I don't understand why we also can't, like, have more events that are, like, sitting in the park and meditating for, like, 30 minutes on peace and love. Like, she's like, that's the type of event that I want to participate in. And that's in. something that I've, I've envisioned um, working with um, a, a group that I've, I've, I've formed here in Tucson, Action Not, Action Not Reaction Tucson is the name we go by. Yeah. Um, and, and with these, these, like, ideas of having, like, more family-available stuff and having different kind of events, when I dream of solidarity in this movement, I dream of, like, uh, having big events and demonstrations where maybe there is some, like, in the center is a safe haven of like meditation and yoga mm-hmm. class, but on the outskirts you got protesters and shields like on the, <laughs> protecting against <laughs> you against the, the the cops and state troopers coming at you. Imagine five hundred people meditating outside of Tucson City Hall. Yeah, yeah. five hundred people standing in silence quietly, and then, or you know it would just it would just say a lot. It, it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, um, yeah. Yeah. There, there's. And, and that's what's and that's what's beautiful about the protest movement is that there's that there's room for a lot of this stuff. It just so happens that um, we are unfortunately seeing such a violent violent response from the state, mm. um, and that the escalations have been done by the state, and that people protesters in Portland. You know, granted, you know, shooting fireworks at the cops in Portland. That's kind of that's yeah. maybe not that, that's kind of up in the ante, but that's also. That's a conversation for now. Talk about yeah. talk about that later. Um, but um, I just I want to kind of tie it up because we're going oh. we're going for a while. 
<laughs> two-hour-long two episode. Hours. Let me see. I did have like, bullet points. I think we've covered everything. What's what's the yoga practitioner's role? How can we get more spiritually-minded people involved? Look, I had little notes Oh, yeah. No, actually, I appreciate you saying that one more time because if, if I want to leave people with anything, yeah. people out there listening, I think we've had a lot of interest from the yoga spiritual practice community. If I want to say anything to people, um, I think it is an invitation for all, like, especially if, if you're a relatively healthy, able-bodied mm-hmm. um, and as a, ashtanga or yoga practitioner uh, in general. Yoga people, you know, we're, yeah. stamina. we're kind of strong here. Yeah. We all know this. We know this. We're, I'm, we're calling on your strengths right now. <laughs> um, I'm not, like, telling people to... Well, I don't know. Maybe you are telling. We're, tell we're somebody. Incur- tell them. <laughs> Fucking right. tell them. People need, to be, to, people protest, need to be told people. something. Sometime. I mean, yeah. the three of us are here. I mean, we're the only three of our of our yoga community yeah. that I have seen at yeah. the protests, and so I think it. There's room for for spiritual practitioners there's not in only, this movement. There's not only room. There's a need. There's a need. Mm-hmm. There's a 100 percent need for for people that are op- you know, that have these ideals in their brains or whatever to show up for these movements and be bodies in this movements and be voices in this movements more than just calling into your city council, more than just voting, but actually showing up. And but please there. do those things but too. But please do those things too. We're not saying <laughs> and not also to keep those yourself things. safe and, and also, also buddy up safe. and like go home to your family at the end of the night. And yeah. You know, right. yeah, yeah, and that's I, yeah, I wanted to also say like if, um, if people are also inspired about, you know, well, I'm not seeing that peace and radical love messaging, um, it's not necessarily to go, you know, Josh here in Tucson has started a group with, a, you know, a, a small group of people. So they have a group working on it. And I think really importantly to work with the already existing groups, because just like Black Lives Matter here is like not trying to like have a, they're not trying to, they, they don't like the tactics that dial up the potential for state violence. Yeah. Um, there may be chapters in your area, if you're listening, to like to link up and learn learn more about see see first if anybody's doing the radical love approach already, and if not, talk about it. Like, talk about it. Don't be afraid to reach out to right. organizers. But like, don't necessarily. I want to say for like just like white folks, like don't go in there and like take over the movement with a yeah. yoga and make all the news stories about you. Yeah. And don't then, go in there and talking about like oh we're all just one. Yeah. We're all one people. That could I don't be a whole see, other episode. That's a whole fucking thing, and that's spiritual bypassing. Don't spiritual bypass that <laughs> right. shit. Right, and don't white center by don't. like making the movement about like your like meditation in the park, but do it in conjunction in with conjunction already established, yeah. uh, well seasoned community mm-hmm. organizers. I think you. I think you could <laughs> describe energy. that as you don't have to reinvent the wheel right. to participate in the there protest movement. Yeah, that show up. Like, do your research. Reach out. See what's going mm-hmm. on around you. If you may, if you live in an area, maybe it's a suburb. There's nothing going on. Don't be afraid to start your own group. There you go. And and yeah. put, putting together a group of three or four <gasps> like-minded individuals, yeah. even one or two. Can and you, if you imagine? And you, you're a small. You know, you, you, you the events don't have to be huge. We hosted an event, action not reaction. There was like. 20 people there and that was it and it was a good event and mm-hmm. the next time we're going to do a march and we're going to do some other stuff and we're going to hopefully 
um, turn up the the turnout. Um, and like bringing it back to the idea of like creating the world that you, the vision, the reimagining, like it starts with your own community. If your community is, even if you're already, you know, let's say you're, you're a fancy yogi and you, uh, you know, live in a gated community. Like if you really want to be practicing and living, you know, these, these, uh, yamas and niyamas and like really diving into it, like you could start your vision in your own community. That is so powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought mm-hmm. that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it yeah, really you, don't, you don't have to reinvent the wheel going out to protest. Um, but there is room for new ideas. Mm-hmm. This wheel, this protest wheel <laughs> is accepting of ideas yeah. and you can put yours into it and there's room for it. And that's, and, um, and that's what we're calling on you. That's what we're telling you to yeah. do is to show up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Put your ideas out there. Put your brain yeah. out there. Put your labor out there. Put your body out there. Because it doesn't compute to be a yoga practitioner and, and, and spiritual studier and not be there for me. In my opinion. Right. In your opinion. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think in our, in eight limbs in, of fury's opinion, yeah, I would say. Yeah. Can, I, can I speak for you on that? my yeah. interpretation of these principles, um, it just, it's that duty. It's that sense of duty. That, yeah. that moral split second decision when we were asked to be the line of bikes, I mean, it was like, it was, it was just intuitive. It was like, I didn't ask for this, but yeah, here we are. Just that mm-hmm. moving to the bag. We're yeah. staying in the bag. Doing it. Well, wonderful. Um, so <sighs> wow. Kiana, do you want to, what, what are your thoughts here? Oh, uh, I, uh, 